everybody, and welcome to the Sulp Niar Pool. I'm Diana. And I'm Andrew. And we are a podcast for the in-depth and semi-serious discussion of the young adult sci-fi book series, Animorphs. In case this is your first time reading the Animorphs, we divide our show into a spoiler-free and spoiler-intensive section. So uh, today we are discussing book number four, The Message, and um, the cover is Cassie morphing into a dolphin. Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And actually on the cover, there is a little ad for Picture Yourself Morphed. You can win a contest to get your photo transformed into an animal. So Um, what happens if you win the contest? They just send you a picture? A picture of yourself morphed, I guess. I guess this was before you could Photoshop that. Yeah, yeah. Also, so this book came out in October 1996. Do you want to guess what the number one song was at that time? Was it the Macarena? Yes, it was. Now that we've set the mood. <laughs> with the Macarena. Um, I guess we should just start at the beginning with My Name is Cassie. Her name is Cassie. So... I thought that we've been doing this podcast for a while, and maybe we could, for the recap, just give a brief summary of what happens, and then kind of talk about it as it compares to other recaps that we've seen before in, I guess, the first three books. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, So she does the whole, my name's Cassie, I can't tell you my last name, everything's terrible, there are years, whatever. One one thing that I thought was interesting is that... um, she this is in like the first couple chapters uh she talks about i forget what's happening is she like in morph oh yeah she's in her she's in the barn yeah she morphs a squirrel yeah and she like describes her morphing experience which is cool because she's really good at morphing compared Mm -hmm. to the other ones so she like talks about getting the feel of morphing animals and stuff in a way that's kind of different from what the other people say when they're describing morphing okay yeah so i guess the little using morphing for personal gain kind of action beat that happens here is she morphs a squirrel um, to find out who... Oh, do they always start with using morphing for personal gain? Um, They often do, right? Like last time it was busting in on the commercial. I think... In... Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah. It's just a common, common thing that they do. Okay. And then they use that to like set up, oh, this is what morphing is, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm an anamorph. Hopefully... I can convey to you all the contents of the previous books in this, like, short period. So, anyway, yeah, she does that to find who has been killing the her ducks. So she, yeah, so she morphs the squirrels so that she can hide in the barn until something comes, um, and then she'll see what it is. Yeah. Um, and then she... It's a fox. Morphs the squirrel. She has to, like, deal with the animal instincts, which it sounds like she's better at than the other animals, but whatever. Then she sees the fox, and and I think she and Tobias... Tobias is about to eat her, I think. But then he rescues her from the fox. Right. (laughs) So that's lucky. Yeah. And then then she and Tobias are talking, and then her dad shows up. And then she has to, like, quickly morph back. Ooh, um, Which only she could do, obviously, because she's amazing. And, like, there's this tense scene where her dad is, like talking to her and she still has a squirrel tail but she's like trying to hide it as she morphs it away and then he's all like turn around and then she turns around but then the tail's gone so it's okay so it's everything's fine it's a close call and then i guess kind of conveniently the opening scene starts with her and tobias because 
they are the two anamorphs who have been having these dreams about the ocean. Well, at this point, we don't know whether the other people have been having them, right? Right, yeah. But um, at least Tobias. So they're like, what? You've been having those dreams too? Yeah. Little do they know that's going to be the subject of a whole book. Yeah. So one thing that Kay Applegate always tries to do as we get like the opening scene that doesn't really pertain to the mission is describe the characters a little more. So Cassie describes herself as average, solidly built with short hair. So I wanted to know, I remember that we talked about Rachel's description of herself kind of at length Mm -hmm. in our podcast episode about the visitor. So I wanted to know if you, Diana, had an opinion about that. But how Cassie describes herself. Yeah. I mean... I guess it doesn't annoy you, probably. It doesn't annoy me, yeah. Did it annoy you? No, not really. I mean, I don't know what solidly built is. Well, I think I think the idea... And doesn't she call herself, like, not skinny but not fat? I think so. Yeah, yeah, so Cassie's, like, a regular person, which is why she doesn't annoy me. Because I'm only annoyed by people who are good mm. at everything. <laughs> yeah, also, like Jake has a picture of Cassie in her overalls next to his computer. I know, yeah. I was like, they're moving kind of fast. I know. Well, maybe it's not that big of a deal, like in the age of analog photos. Not analog, but Wouldn't like... it be a bigger deal, though? I could scroll through somebody's Instagram feed now, and it's like not that much effort. And it's like, oh yeah, I saw the picture of you in the overalls. It was cute. I liked but, it. Yeah, that was, yeah I, I might double tap to like it. But in the 90s, if I like keep... Like, did he take the picture and then have it developed? Oh, no. Did she say she gave it to him? I I don't remember. So either of those options requires more effort. You know what I mean? That's true. But nowadays, if you had, like, a hard copy of a picture, you'd be like, why do you have that? (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Did you what? You you printed it out? Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, with a a printer? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay. (laughs) So anyway. Moving on uh, to Rachel's room after school the next day. Oh my gosh, I really liked the description of it because it felt really Tumblr. Oh, yes, yes, I do love Rachel's room. She apparently, it like, it's very clean, which is like, of course it's really clean, it's Rachel. Of course she has a perfect room. It's very aesthetic, is what it sounds like. She yeah. has post-it notes with, like, quotes that she'll put on, I think, a bulletin board or her wall or whatever, which is very, like, she should have a blog. <laughs> And she has a quote from The Art of War, which I think is oh, really Oh, yeah. Awesome. I was also like, is she reading all of these things? And Cassie Probably. also made it sound like the quotes rotate. So it's not like she's had the same ones up for years. It's like, she was like, oh, yeah, a few weeks ago, there were these quotes, but now there are these quotes. So it's like, is Rachel... Now there are quotes Rachel... about how to destroy my enemy. Well, right. So I'm wondering, like, did Rachel read all of The Art of War in the last, like, three weeks? And also the other one that she... You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, yeah. But she is really smart so of course because she's racial so i have a question who is king friday is that a trick question no no i'm i'm wondering i should have looked this up on my own but i did not okay i thought you were quizzing me no i don't know who king friday is but i'm gonna look it up right now okay wait did that come up at this part though yeah oh yeah because this it's when rachel's like asking you have dreams about king friday yeah i forgot that was this scene so king friday is a character on the like the Mr. Rogers show Mm -hmm. and in that show there is a there's like a recurring theme of the neighborhood of make-believe there's all these um dolls that have you seen the Mr. Rogers stuff yeah okay yeah so he has these dolls that he'll like 
or they're hand puppets, I guess. I don't know. And, you know, so they're like these puppet characters. And one of them is King Friday and he's the king of the... Of the puppets? Of the neighborhood of make-believe, I think. That is weird. It's the thing. I don't know if you remember the trolley in the show, but the trolley would like take you to the neighborhood of... So like you would go from being in Mr. Rogers's house to being in the neighborhood of make-believe. Whatever. Anyway, so that's King Friday. And they were kind of talking about Mr. Rogers, right? Yeah, yeah. So that makes sense. Anyway, so yeah, so they're in Rachel's room. They're talking about Marco's dreams. Uh, as a side note, Cassie tells the audience that she likes Jake, as in like. Oh. She like likes him. Likes likes. She like likes him. I think it's like likes is the yeah. how you conjugate that. Exactly. So that's a key development. And then while they're all meeting, Jake shows them a videotape. He taped it. Which also I was going to ask you about because it sounds like he taped the news last night after he had already seen it. So it would have had to re-aired, re aired, like done a, you know? Maybe he saw it and then was like, this is relevant. Or maybe he is always just. Yeah, like is he just constantly taping things? Taping things? <laughs> it must have like had some... a. I guess they, they might like repeat it. Yeah. Because news. Yeah. Or like up next, this coverage of a strange object found on the beach. You know, and then, they, then it's like... Maybe he always tapes the news because he's looking for new intel because he's Jake. Of course he would. Yeah. Anyway, so he shows them this videotape of one news story last night about, like, an object that was found. It has some writing on it. He feels like it might be similar to the writing he found on the Andalite ship that nobody else had seen but him. And uh, it's very exciting. Yeah. As soon as... So exciting as... that Cassie swoons. Yeah, so Cassie faints. <laughs> and is caught by Jake. <laughs> conveniently well yeah i mean good looking out you know um tobias also faints right rachel did not catch him i believe i mean he's so. a hawk <laughs> um, i'm just saying in terms of relationships we we know where they are now well jake and cassie are kind of always just ahead yeah. of rachel and tobias in terms of like the progression but anyway so they faint they come back while they're fainted they both have this like vision of the voice that they've been hearing calling to them says something along the lines of like come get me i don't have much time so that's exciting for them and then they come back and then they're like oh my gosh did you did you just experience that too and it sound and everybody kind of felt something but they felt it like the most and based on the visions and what like cassie and tobias remember from them and also based on the thing that they that was on the news story they decide that the message might be coming from an Andalite. Yeah. So that happens. And now we're going to start the actual mission, basically. Right. It's kind of a... Kind it's of kind of like... Mission. Yeah. It's like They different. kind of do one recon mission, mm -hmm. and then they do, like, the main mission. Which is a rescue mission. Yeah. But we'll get to that. Okay, so they go to the beach at night. Oh, there was something that I thought was interesting. Because um, we were talking about Tobias mm -hmm. a couple books ago. Yes. And... So Cassie is very emotionally intelligent, shall we say. And so she keeps having these little insights about other people's feelings and thoughts. And while they're walking to the beach, I forget what it's about, but I wrote down that she says, like, Tobias thinks if he is ever happy, something will come along and take his happiness away. Oh, yeah. I, I wanted to talk about this. Yeah. Um, and then she has this thing about Marco as well and Rachel. Yeah. Yeah. And all about their happiness. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So Cassie is talking about the other characters do you want to just read this, I guess? Sure, do you have it? Yeah. Marco's cooperative mood hadn't lasted long. 
I knew it wouldn't. Marco is never happy unless he's complaining about something. Just like Rachel is never happy unless she has something to fight against. And Tobias is never happy. Period. He thinks if he's ever happy... (laughs) He thinks if he's ever happy, someone will just come along and take his happiness away. This is pretty deep stuff. Yeah, she's like... How old are they? Like 12? Yeah, 12 or 13, about. And it's also, like, we haven't really seen that much of the characters, you know? So, like, that's actually a lot of information for us because we haven't necessarily had time to put that together in the last like two books or whatever i agree so that's kind of cool yeah cassie's pretty eloquent i like her narration especially like immediately preceding this there was a nice passage about the ocean and yeah just there's nothing as big as the ocean it's like this entirely different planet full of strange plants and fantastic animals valleys and mountains and caves and broad flat plains all hidden from our sight well, you know how much I like the ocean, so it's like... Well, I know how much you like the ocean. That's my yeah, weakness. Yeah, you know how much I like Cassie. Yeah. Which is funny, because I was just thinking about how in Thought Speak they always hate on Cassie. No, I will ha- I'll hate on her in this book. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll carry the flag. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, so they end up getting to the beach, but unfortunately, it looks like they were followed... By the sharing. By... Right, by the sharing. And the sharing are gossiping about Visser 3 who has apparently also been having visions. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. Okay, so there are visions happening. And then they see the Anamorphs, I guess, and they start shooting with guns. Nice. Which is like, what? With guns? Seriously? But they they do it. So yeah, in in terms of weapons in this book, in addition to morphing into animals and dragon beams and ships and stuff, you can also just use regular old guns. Pretty effective. So in order to get away, they go trout. Yeah, they go trout. They morph trout, but trout are are um, freshwater fish, and they're in the ocean. So I was kind of like, do you know if it's possible for freshwater fish to like live at all in salt water? I think they should be able to survive for a little while. I mean, you know, of course not for a long time. You know. Okay. Yeah, because it seemed like when they morphed fish, they they were like, my lungs are burning. It feels like I can't breathe, and I just wasn't sure how like realistic that was or if that is real, i don't know i mean i i think they would die after a while but that would be because of their they would get dehydrated right i mean that's one way but i i was thinking it might um just irritate the tissue in their lungs yeah or in their i guess gills. i don't know if it's lungs but yeah gills. gills i mean i'm just comparing it to like human lungs because if you have anything in your lungs that's not the things that are normally in your lungs then you have this, like, massive inflammatory response. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what happens in fish. Ask Cassie. Yeah, well, I guess, I guess know. you get a burning sensation. Well, right. Okay, so they do that, and then they, they barely make it out of the clutches of the sharing and basically, like, swim away while the sharing is, like, looking for humans in the water and see nothing. So cut to Cassie's place, right? Yeah, a few days later. Jake is coming over. As he does, apparently... He nice. also says he spent last Thanksgiving with her family. That's pretty like, intense. Are they a couple now? Or are they just family friends? Like, what's the deal? Well, also, he has family, so that's, like, more right, intense. Right, yeah, so, like, than... why? Yeah. Anyway, so Jake basically comes up to Cassie and is like... What should we do? Right. There's some cheek touching in this scene also. Oh, yeah, I thought that... I was like, you're 12. Again. <laughs> well, that's why it's just cheek touching. I guess. I know, yeah, but I wasn't, like, running around touching people's cheeks when I was 12. 
But well, I guess maybe that's what the kids do. You weren't morphing either, so. Well, right. So I guess there's a lot of maturing that happens. They grow up so fast. So yeah, so he asks what Cassie thinks they should do, um, which is new for her because normally he makes the decisions, um, but he's asking her to, and she is like, I don't really want to decide. Can you just decide for me? She's probably terrible to go out to eat with. She probably does that thing where it's like, I don't know what place we should go to. And then I mean, she's probably like vegan, so right. I guess that narrows it down. <laughs> I'm. I think she would be, you know, vegetarian. Yeah, that's fair. So, so they decide that if they go, it would be good to morph dolphins, and they're wondering, like, is it morally okay to morph dolphins because dolphins are so intelligent? Right, which is interesting that they and we kind of keep coming back to this throughout the book that intelligence is what creates the the like line or that's the marker. You know what I mean yeah. for like whether it's okay to morph something, but we can talk about that later, actually. So, uh, yeah, so Cassie mentions that her family has owned this land since the Civil War time, which is interesting for a couple reasons. First of all, they're in, they're on the West Coast, right? I think they're in California. Okay, so they're in California, and I don't think that land in California was like, I don't think people really had a bill of ownership to land in California during the time of Civil War, so I don't know how exactly her family acquired the land but also she's black right yes so how did i mean did she just mean her family has been here since the time of the civil war maybe they were like maybe there are some of the token few black families that own property but even then those weren't really in california i yeah i don't know that's so they were they were really something yeah well it's possible you know that she is either half black or some of her ancestors were half yeah. half white and that right. the farm was initially owned by a white ancestor. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz yeah, but the thing is even yeah, so either she had a white ancestor, she had a black ancestor who owned property in California. Both of them are pretty unlikely just because of the property ownership thing, but whatever. We'll we'll skim past that. I mean, I guess there's also a possibility that didn't some people have like the practice of giving your like former slaves a piece of your land? Well, I mean, like after the Civil War, slavery wasn't really prominent in California. Well, but how, how many people were there in California in the 1860s? Not not a super high amount. Yeah, that that was my main point. Yeah, it's an it's an improbable. There's series like of events. two. Yeah, there's two kind of unlikely things here. First would be just people in California owning property. And the second would be, yeah, if she's talking about black ancestors, that would be improbable. But also, there were black property owners during the Civil War. Mm -hmm. But we really only heard about them in, like, East Coast cities, like in Charleston. Yeah. So, anyway, interesting. I think my Civil War knowledge is a little West Coast deficient. Well, but that's mostly because there just weren't that many people on the West Coast. Yeah. You know, the West Coast, like, during the Civil War era, Oklahoma, or no, was it Oklahoma? Where's, and like Kansas, like places in sort of the central areas, those were like no man's land. Like, there were no rules, there was no, I don't really think people were buying and selling land, you know? Yeah. So California is even farther west than that. Anyway. 
Lots of interesting things about Cassie's past. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but moving on. Okay, so moving on to a scene that I kind of wanted to talk about. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, that, that was something I thought was interesting. So this is just more about how Cassie is very empathetic. She is, like, thinking to herself about how Marco has a tough family life mm-hmm. with his mom being dead and his dad not being over his mom's death. And then she compliments his haircut, which is kind of a oh, nice... Oh, yeah. yeah. I was thinking the haircut thing was weird, but it didn't even occur to me that it was right after Yeah. That. So, so I guess I, Cassie's I can't picture more anyone else doing that. emotionally intelligent than I am. <laughs> Evidently. Yeah. No, that's true. That was good. And then and then she was, like, very conscious about... Because they're going to the gardens. She was very conscious about, like, the cost of that and making sure that they didn't get into, like, some uncomfortable thing where, like, he wouldn't be able to pay for it or, mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. So so that was cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So they go to the gardens. They acquire dolphins. Um, and then they head out to the beach. Right. So mm-hmm. So they go. They get in the water. They morph dolphins. And I think Cassie goes first. Yeah. And dolphins are super happy. Yeah. Which is interesting. It's like the first morph that we've seen that's like this, I think. It is, yeah. I guess Homer was pretty happy, but not like yeah, this. Yeah, he's a little dumber, though. Yeah, not, not, he was a little bit, he was more just simple. They're like playing games. Yeah, yeah. Homer was like a, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Oh, and uh, the Animorphs have smartened up and they put a watch on Tobias so he can look out for the two hour time limit. Yeah, it's good that they have someone to keep track of time for them using yeah. a watch. Because that's all that they have at this point. Yeah. Well, it's also like they could have used that the last few books too, you know? <laughs> yeah, especially, they figured especially out. the last book. Um, okay, so then they swim down to the ocean. Mm-hmm. And then Cassie kind of discovers echolocation mm-hmm. and then realizes that there is a shark attack going on. Which, like, of course, it is the ocean. Yeah. And. Basically, what's happening is these sharks are attacking a whale, although I don't think that's immediately obvious to them, but they get into this fight with sharks. Sharks are very scary. I think they see that it's attacking the whale before they go attack the sharks. Right, but I don't think I don't think the fight starts as like, we're going to save this whale. I think the fight just starts because it's like, oh, look, sharks, and we really don't like sharks. So they, they do realize that it's a whale mm-hmm. being attacked by sharks and then they go and to try and rescue the whale oh okay but isn't there also something about how they just don't like sharks yeah yeah that's that's when cassie first sees the shark she's like all right one thing we knew for sure we didn't like sharks okay so, so they shark fight with the sharks yeah they're trying to rescue a great one which is a whale mm-hmm. by the way mm-hmm. and then so they like slam into the sharks and eventually they injure a shark, which causes the other sharks to go cannibalize that shark. Which is interestingly similar to taxons. Yeah. And also kind of like an example of shark shaming in popular culture, because I don't think sharks do this. A, I don't think sharks attack in packs, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think they attack like humpback whales, and B, I don't think they're like necessarily cannibalistic well yeah so do we know what kind of sharks they were they're tiger sharks 
Oh my god, tiger sharks? Aren't those, like, way tinier than humpback whales? I mean, well, any type of shark. Would be tinier than humpback whale, but tiger sharks aren't even that big. Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, so, it seems... It seems unlikely weird. that any shark would attack a humpback whale. Yeah. Even aside from the... Like, tiger sharks will sometimes be in, in groups, I think. But... I don't know. I don't think they hunt in... I don't know. Yeah, well, it's it's sad that sharks have been so demonized, and this is just this is just more media demonizing sharks. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. Thank you for bringing it up. The, the public needs to know. Yeah, hashtag not all sharks. <laughs> well, not most sharks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, anyway, so they fight the sharks. They succeed in kind of holding off the sharks. Meanwhile. Marco, who is coincidentally the one of them who can't swim, got his tail horribly bitten off, kind of. Yeah. It's like hanging by a thread, I think is the phrase they use. Nice. Um, so they're like, all right, this is terrible. He says, oh man, that's a major ouchie. <laughs> um, so somehow none of them have thought of this except Cassie, but she's the one who's like, at least it sounds like she's the only one who thought of this. But she's the one who's like, oh, if you morph back to human, you'll be fine. Yeah. Because, like, your DNA won't be injured. Exactly. Um, Which, like, isn't Rachel supposed to be the one who's all school smart? Because she didn't think of that. I guess she didn't. So, anyway. But the issue is that Marco can't swim. So, he um needs to morph because there's no other... Like, it, it looks like he's going to die of, like, blood loss or something. Mm-hmm. So, he morphs human. It's not looking great and then the whale comes and like helps him survive basically by like surfacing with him yeah on top so the whale carries him to the surface um then the whale just does telepathy so yeah so this is like kind of one of the more fantasy aspects of animorphs because k applegate has this like idea i guess that whales (laughs) (laughs) whales are like mystical gods kind of yeah, whales are are just on another level. They can talk using just like pictures and like sensory kind of transfer. Um and so the whale does this with Cassie. Although the other thing is maybe they only talk to Cassie cuz she's all in tune with animals. Yeah. So, but anyway, so the whales are great ones. They refer to dolphins as little ones. We'll see some more <laughs> supernatural stuff going on later in the book oh my god whales but basically the whale tells her tells cassie that there's something else in the ocean and it's new and cassie's like oh my gosh what a coincidence where is it yeah so the whale kind of tells her but it tells her in like whale speak yeah so it's a little bit cryptic that's fine yeah and he also tells cassie his life story about how many migrations and oh yeah mates and battles he's had so i didn't really buy into this whale oh, whale magic it. oh okay <laughs> <laughs> why didn't you buy into it um i feel like it just doesn't jibe with the tone of the books you know maybe this is just kind of an early meandering but i like the animorphs as science fiction you know not like supernatural fantasy yeah, I think one way to read it is a supernatural fantasy. I think another way to read it is, and this is kind of a theme of the series, I think, is like getting outside of the human perspective 
mm-hmm. um, on different species. So, like, one way to read it would be maybe in real life, or maybe this is kind of a, another perspective on real life, where humans have never had the opportunity to communicate with whales because we, the limits of our species. We can't understand whales' song. Mm-hmm. Like but Dory. here's here's a group of humans who can morph into animals, and one particular member of that group who has a especially strong connection with animals and because of that connection she's able to see like what the mind of a whale is really like and Kay Applegate's writing this like she's doing her research from encyclopedias she doesn't have access to like scientific research on how whales think you know so I I guess I feel like I don't know I liked it whatever okay well I mean that's what's important right so anyway Marco morphs back to dolphin he's unhurt um, just like Cassie predicted. And then, um, then they go home. And then later, Cassie goes to hang out with Marco at his house. So she's just yeah. having a lot of one-on-one conversations. Yeah, she goes there. over to, well, yeah, that's kind of her, her way. Her MO. Is to have lots of one-on-one conversations with people about their feelings. Yeah. Which is awesome. Well, also about her feelings. She's telling him about how she doesn't like making decisions, especially ones that can get the others killed. Yeah, and Marco is a good person to have this conversation with because he's very, like, level-headed. And he kind of explains to Cassie that no matter what, she's making a decision, you know? Like, even if she decides not to do anything, that's still making a decision. Yeah. So I think that was a little bit of tough love, but it was probably a good thing for her to hear. So here's the thing. Is not doing anything a decision? Like, is that just, like, an obvious fact that Cassie needs pointed out to her? Or is that, like a deferring worldview because consider like the trolley problem right for our listeners what is the trolley problem so the trolley problem is where there's a trolley heading towards five people say on track you can divert the trolley by pulling a lever such that it'll go down a different track and only kill one person Mm -hmm. so if we abide by saying that doing nothing is a decision you should definitely pull the lever and kill the one person, right? I think that in the trolley problem, you're choosing between like having an active role in killing one person or having a passive role in killing five people, say. And if you choose the option where you do nothing, but you still kill those five people, you are still, I mean, the trolley problem is presented as two choices and you're still taking that choice. So it is still a decision. Um, mm-hmm. the, the thing is, I think the passive nature of that decision is appealing for people. Like um, Cassie. Like Cassie. Especially in the context of this book, doing nothing is definitely a decision because they're, they're getting this sense that the creature in the water is like running out of time. So if they wait like a few days or whatever, that's a decision to like let the creature run out of time or at least get closer to running out of time yeah so marco points out to her that bad things do happen Mm -hmm. and that doing nothing is a decision is choosing to do nothing and i think also i don't even remember if he makes this point but another good point in the situation is that like bad things are gonna happen whether whether it's because she chooses to to do something or if she chooses to, like, step out of this and, like, avoid doing stuff. And in this particular case, they kind of have all agreed that if they don't try to, like, for example, fight the Yerks, 
or if they don't uh go try to find an andalite that might be out there then like they might just all die you know yeah so it is hard yeah they could die either way yeah okay so after this kind of like introspective conversation heart to heart yeah well i feel like it's a heart to head you know because marco doesn't have a heart <laughs> well he's just thinking a little more clearly um, <laughs> well, I you're said, the one that said that i said i would hate on cassie well you were the one that just uh went went uh head to head against marco's marco's point no i i i love his point i think you should always pull the lever and kill the one person then why are you why I, are you I'm hating just, on that opinion oh i'm not hating on that on that opinion i'm just like i just I think that opinion is in conflict with the morality theory that says you should not pull the lever. Well, I, don't know. I have a lot of thoughts about the morality theory that says you should not pull the lever. Yeah, but I guess anyway. I, being that that is not my personal morality theory, I guess, opening up myself to a wave of morality <laughs> theory criticism, I, I, I don't really understand the argument, but I'm, I'm sure there is a lot of stuff to be said. Well, my... I should have taken more philosophy in college. Okay, so I took a politics and ethics class once in high school. Oh, please. Oh, high school? <laughs> well, that's the only tell class we talked about. The, oh, okay. We didn't talk about the trolley problem in Kant, though. Like, I feel like you talk about the trolley problem in every philosophy class, but maybe that's my No, well, it's big for, like, utilitarian. So, anyway. So, all right. So, let's talk about the trolley problem. So, I feel like one of my biggest pet peeves, if you were, in this one class that I took is... When people talk about morality theories in, like, thought experiments as if that's what they would do. Like, you, like, imagine yourself in the situation, what would you do? And then be like, okay, I guess that's what's right. Because mm-hmm. I don't think that's a fair way to, like, I don't think that's a good way to decide what's right and what's wrong. It's just think about what you would do. So I think that while it's, from a utilitarian perspective, right to pull the lever and kill the one person, most people would not do that because... Um, in like a stressful situation like that, your instinct would be not to do anything. Like Cassie. Like Cassie, yeah, because it's hard yeah. to make those decisions. Yeah. But I don't think there are that. I don't think there are that many like theories that would say, "Oh, it's definitely better to not pull the lever and kill those five mm-hmm. people." You think it's just people like making up a theory about inaction being better than action? No, I don't think it's. Their... I don't think it's just that. I I I don't think it's like just people rationalizing their own beliefs but i think that i think that utilitarianism is like a common um argument for a lot of like moral questions so i think utilitarianism would say pull the lever kill the one person i think that if you go for i mean kant was all about the categorical imperative which is like killing is wrong period but in this case it's moot because you're already killing somebody but the other thing is kant wouldn't Kant would care mostly about your intentions. Okay. He was like late 1800s, I think. I don't remember. They probably had trolleys, yeah. Yeah, I think they did. But yeah, so like he's all about like your intentions, you know, like not use like using people as ends in themselves and not as means. Like you're not, you're kind of outside of that Mm -hmm. in this problem because you're either killing one person or you're killing five people. It's not like, oh, should I like. Well, I feel like. People don't think of it as you're either killing one person or killing five people. I think some people think, like, either you kill one person or five people die. You see what okay, I'm saying? Okay, sure. But I'm saying Kant 
like when people talk about categorical imperatives and like killing is wrong period i think it's an open question of whether you're using like by pulling the lever and killing the one person are you using that one person as a means to save those five people in which case that's wrong that's bad to use somebody as a means but i mean you could also say like by not pulling the lever and that thus rendering those five people dead are you using those five people's lives as a means to like make yourself feel better about your own inaction so it's like it's hard for me to see the theoretical grounds for not pulling the lever but that's not to say that they're that they do not exist yeah and i'm i'm interested in them Mm -hmm. because i don't have much experience with them but i think they exist you know yeah but the thing is and my point is that you're still choosing inaction yeah i mean i totally agree like you're you're not even if i'm 100 percent on board with marco you're still like marco's pulling that lever in a heartbeat it's not that you're not making the choice like yeah (laughs) no but it's but i'm saying even even if you even if i were a person who was like oh i wouldn't pull the lever and in real life i might not pull the lever because i'd be stressed out but even then it's still it's still me saying as long as i'm aware that the option exists to pull the lever and kill the one person that's still me saying like i'm aware that these two options exist and i'm gonna pursue this one mm-hmm. you know so you're not like avo- anyway that was my point anyway okay <laughs> great okay so at rachel's house okay they've been meeting a lot at rachel's house you know? i know what happened to the barn i like the barn and also the food court also the abandoned church that made an appearance once wait when was the abandoned church uh it was like book one or two. Oh, weird yeah anyway at rachel's house jake is kind of going over what they know um including the information from the whale thanks whale <laughs> um so then the plan is now to morph seagull and then hitch a ride on a container ship and they vote and they go yeah i thought it was interesting because tobias like keeps abstaining from vote from votes mm-hmm. um because he's like oh i don't know if my vote should really count like i can't really morph with the i'm never happy yeah my life is terrible i'm a hawk <laughs> um but then I think this is then. Cassie's like, hey, Jake, you should maybe, like, say something to Tobias just about how helpful yeah. he is. Yeah, it's on their little walk home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's like the example that we talked about earlier. This is Cassie being empathetic. So like, she, she looks out for everyone. Yeah. You know? Even when Tobias is feeling left out, which is always. <laughs> so she's just always looking looking out for Tobias. Yeah. Okay, so then they, they go gull. Go gull. They go seagull, and then uh, I guess seagulls are really attracted to trash food. I really identified with the experience of the seagull. Like, oh, look, some crumbs. Maybe I can eat those. Nice. Okay, so then they're they're flying around looking at Fritos, and at the beach, um, Tobias spots a ship because his eyes are better, which Mm -hmm. he's kind of proud of. Um, he's like oh you guys had no i think they see a ship and he's like oh are you guys just seeing that now <laughs> i saw that like a while ago <laughs> but it's like also his life sucks before so. it was cool yeah i mean small <laughs> mercies okay so they still they stow away mm-hmm. and 
after an hour, they go 18 miles because the ship is sailing at 18 <laughs> miles an hour. I feel like that was that was a feeble attempt to get kids interested in math through the animorphs. Yeah, or poking fun at how kids like don't like math, or just those word problems in general. Yeah, <laughs> like you're on a boat. You're on a boat going 20 miles an hour in one hour. How when will you go on 20 miles? Although interestingly, would they be using miles or nautical miles? Well, so oh, they, no, t- the they 18 get miles speed. an hour is from Tobias. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how he can tell the difference between 18 or 20, but whatever. <laughs> but he can. <laughs> Okay, so then they're out in the ocean, and then the the plan is to have, well, the plan was not really thought out, but the current plan is to have Marco morph halfway to dolphin, then just get shoved just overboard. Yeah. Which is why you should always learn to swim, kids. Well, really, yeah. Well, I think, I don't know, there is, like, the socioeconomic um, aspect. Yeah, probably. I, I think, you know, knowing how to swim is a lot less common. And, you know, people lower income. Yeah. My dad doesn't know how to swim. Unrelatedly. Or only semi-relatedly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. um, Oh, and this is when Cassie has a really annoying second freak out. Because um, she's like, no, no, no. Everyone stop. It's just, <laughs> oh, it's just too this dangerous. This is actually awesome. So, it's too so dangerous. Cassie, we must go back. So Cassie had Marco's back before. Now Cassie's freaking out because Mar- like, because they're like, how are we going to get Marco to morph if he doesn't know how to swim? He's like, it's fine, it's fine. I'm just going to morph. Just push me in. Nothing bad's going to happen. It's fine. And Cassie's like, no, this is terrible. We should, like, I don't even know why I wanted to do this. Like, this, everything's bad. We're just all going to die. And then Marco's We're like, relax. Marco's like, it's already happening. It's like, he's already morphing by the time she's like freaking out. He's like, it's fine. Nothing bad's going to yeah. happen. And then they push him in and it's fine. And I just thought that was like Marco kind of being nice to her. Yeah, you know, by like making I'm not the decision. being stupid. But well, right. But he was like making the decision for her. You know. Yeah. It's like it's already happening because she can't handle making decisions. And it's gonna be fine. And then, uh, oh, then Rachel gracefully dives off the ship. Come on. <laughs> I want to see that TV. That uh, I want to see that on screen. You know. Yeah. Like, I feel like that. That's a scene that like really lends itself to television. Mm-hmm. And like, can you imagine Rachel like doing a graceful swan dive off the? side of a ship kind of although like i don't know i was thinking about that like wouldn't it be hard the water's probably choppy the ship's probably not totally steady yeah well i was thinking She's like, like do you worry about getting chewed up by the ship's engines like mm-hmm. i never dived off a ship before oh i know that's what i was yeah anyway oh i was thinking about that scene and the cassie kind of just like awkwardly jumps into the ship into the water right mm-hmm. would you shoot the anamorphs in first person or would you shoot like maybe that scene in first person i wouldn't shoot, shoot all of animorphs in first person okay that's just too hard um i mean you could shoot that scene in first person but i think i know nothing about television so feel free i like me. i never really think that first person shots like look that good i feel like they're often just awkward because you like First person shots often have the like bobbing of the camera. Yeah. It like to match how your head would be bobbing in real life, but it just ends up being disorienting. Yeah. I think that I would rather have like, you know, cut to Marco in the water, kind of like awkwardly bobbing and then becoming a dolphin. Cut to Rachel 
like up on the side thing as she like dives in and you see her like from the side as she like arcs into the water and then cut to Cassie's face as she like watches Rachel and is thinking to herself I'm not that graceful and then like and then her hands as she gets up and then maybe another like wide shot of her just like awkwardly jumping in mm-hmm. that's that's how I would do it but okay. one could do first person I don't think it would be bad I mean I wouldn't I don't know whatever everybody is different well it's just a thought uh, okay so you were just thinking because of how she describes it well I was just thinking my, my chain of thought was this scene would look great on TV. Mm-hmm. How would one make the Animorphs a TV show? Mm-hmm. The Animorph books are written in first person. Mm-hmm. Would I then shoot the Animorphs TV show in first person? Well, probably we, not. We've talked about this. I think they should yeah. have voiceovers in first person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sure we'll come back to that. So then Cassie jumps in. They all morph dolphin and then follow Cassie to her. Yeah, and she just like, she just knows where it is. Dream. She like, yeah, she just lets the dolphin take over and like, re- which is interesting because she retains, so like the dolphin remembers what the whale told it. Yeah. Or like the knowledge was in her brain, but it needs yeah, it was the dolphin in Cassie's to brain, be interpreted. But the dolphin brain is translating. Yeah. That must yeah. be it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you can analyze that too closely. I think it, uh. No, I think it's that. I think it's the memories in her brain. Okay. And they spot some Yerk helicopters. Fun fact about helicopters. Mm -hmm. You're probably aware it's uh, made of two words. But you would think it would be heli and copter, but it's actually helico and ter. That blew my mind, like pterodactyl. is like helix. Yeah. And pter, (laughs) like pterodactyl. (laughs) Yeah. Can't wait for the dinosaur episode. What dinosaur episode? Am I allowed to tell them that Megamorphs number two is called In the Time of the Dinosaurs? I, I guess I you're allowed to tell them that. <clears throat> okay, so then they're swimming along. They spot the dome ship as they're running out of air. So it must have been eight to ten minutes or up to 15 minutes because that's how long dolphins can hold their breath. I looked up. I know. Yeah, I was thinking like, yeah, I was thinking the same thing because I know the dolphins can hold their breath for up to 15 minutes. <sighs> um and then so they but they see something in the water so they're like either we go up for air right now or we just assume we can breathe in that thing and what do they pick they pick assuming they can breathe in that thing yeah that's bad whatever so then they see the dome ship and it's really cool um has grass trees that are look like vegetables and a really clear lake Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they so somehow they like get into the hatch because they, they like push a button and then that opens the airlock, right? Yeah, which is weird because like why wouldn't that be you know password protected or something? But anyway, they get in. Yeah, I mean maybe it's built for people who I don't know. Maybe is the second door password protected? I think it is. So, I thought they so get you, into the second door and then they're stunned after they get in. I I don't remember, but it I, would make sense to have like only one door be password protected Mm -hmm. because then people say you're one of your andalite pilots is cast into space and really needs to get into the airlock yeah that's a good point tap it and then get into the airlock and then once he's into the airlock he'll remember the password so they breathe in the airlock and then they get into the morph and then it's axe time 
What? I was actually really happy because um, I really missed Axe this whole time. I know. We kept, we kept not being able to talk about Axe. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like the Animorphs, it's like now, I was thinking that now too. we're whole, you know? It was like now we're rolling. Yeah. Like everything else is set up and like everything up to this book is set up and now we get to like do the Animorphs. Yeah. Okay. So it's Axe time and then he's holding them at uh, uh, gunpoint, or I guess... Shredder point. Um, it's a dragon beam, right? No. Well, Cassie says it looks like a dragon oh, beam. Oh, but it's not. Yeah, okay. but it's uh, it's like the Andalite things. Anyway. So then he's kind of grilling them. And then Marco mentions Visser 3. Mm-hmm. And then Axe is like, <gasps> and puts his tail blight at Marco's throat, <laughs> um, which is a tense moment. And then they're talking and then the Animorphs break it to Axe that Elfanger is dead. He was eaten by Visser 3. Well, and, and Axe tells them that Elfanger is his brother. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, what? And that Elfanger gave them the power to morph. Um, which, oh, yeah, and they find out apparently that's not good. That's a no-no. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, they find out that Axe is a kid. <laughs> yeah. What is, He's I'm like, sure. I'm too young to fight. <laughs> they're like, like, what? Oh, shit, we thought all analytes so like, were magical. Yeah, the, yeah there's... So, Cassie's somebody says something at, at a later point about like being kind of disappointed because they thought that he might be just like the savior. Yeah, just of like everything. an Elfanger part two. Yeah, but no, but he's, he's just, just a his kid. little brother. <laughs> um, and then he asks who their prince is, and they all are like kind of side eyeing Jake, and Jake's like, "Don't, don't, no, nope." And then Elf, and then Axe is like, "Okay, Prince Jake. All right, Prince Jake. <laughs> Here we go." I will do anything for you, my prince. <laughs> Which is the beginning of a beautiful relationship between Axe and Jake. Yeah. So then Axe starts showing them around, and he's mm-hmm. um, pointing out all this cool stuff in their park on the dome ship. Mm-hmm. And then he introduces them to Enos Ermarf, which is the way the lake curves into the grass, framed by the Darishal trees. Mm-hmm. Which I think is really nice. Yeah, they have words for that kind of stuff. Cause they yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, and also, it's like gives an interesting insight into Andalites. And then Rachel's like, he's cute. I know. I I was like, is Keep Rachel... Keep your pants, Rachel. Was this the beginning of like a, a potential romance between Rachel and Axe that then got cut short? Cause like, I think this is just like Rachel being all... Boy crazy? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's possible. Or like boy crazy in like a, a predatory way, you know? A predatory way? In, like, a powerful way, not as in, like, I'm crazy for boys, as in, like... Scoping uh, them out? Yeah, you know? Yeah. And, like, yeah, scoping them out, like, hunter, basically. She's, like, a hunter. Okay, so then, yeah, then this is... Then Axe drops uh, the bomb on Cassie about the Yerks. Right, so he tells her, basically, the Yerks' goal would be to make Earth, like, totally barren and just kill everything on Earth, like, any living species other than their hosts, which would be humans, and, like, things that they eat. So so that's, like, a pretty compelling motivation for Cassie because she likes living things. Yeah. Like yeah. most of us do. Well, this is, like, her reason to fight, I think, right? The These five books have been, like, introducing each Animorph and, like, They've been coming up with their own motivation to to fight, right? So I think this scene is like her, I'm going to fight to save the planet. 
Yeah, I mean, but, I interpret it as indirect response to her, like, qualms about morphing dolphins. Yeah, I mean, and she explicitly makes that connection. Yeah. She's like, well, the dolphins would want it. Because I didn't feel like she was ever, like, not wanting to fight as much this as, like... For you, Mother Nature. Right, as much as, like, just not being sure about the ethics of a lot of things. But, like, the picture that Axe is painting is pretty evil. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, so anyway, oh, he also tells them that, uh, the other Andalites won't be back for two years, two human years. Two of your years. Yeah. Two of the years, two Earth years. So that's like longer than they were hoping for. Yeah. Um, so anyway, disappointing news all around. So then they, then they morph. Axe has picked up a shark morph and then they basically get out of there when they get pinged by sonar. Yeah, they get pinged by sonar, a ship comes and finds them, um, and they're thinking, like, wait, are the Yurks going to come down here? And Axe is like, well, what morphs do they have? And and they're like, well, they only have Hork-Bajir and humans. And Axe is like, oh, that actually might be okay, because Hork-Bajir don't swim. Like, they probably couldn't come down here. And then I think it's Jake who's like, also they have Taxons. And Axe is like, what? <laughs> so then Taxons come after them. There's this really cool scene of, like, the blade ship flying overhead and it's just dropping taxons into the water like bombs you know? oh yeah that's good yeah i think that that's a very cool visual okay so then cassie psyched herself up to go kick some taxon butt because now she says now i'm fighting for the entire world as opposed to just humans and then they kick taxon butt basically taxons aren't really hard to kill yeah so yeah, we were kind of talking about this before, but, like, I guess taxons just, like, explode when you kind of punch them a little bit. Yeah. If they're underwater. Yeah. It seems like that only happens if they're underwater, right? Well, I think it... Because uh... I don't think they just explode. It, it said burst. Yeah. Taxon burst when she, like, rammed it. I guess maybe they're deep enough that they're already under pressure. I guess, but the pressure... Like, when humans go really deep... Yeah, I know we don't burst because the pressure equalizes, right? Yeah, but is it did it not also equalize for the taxons? I don't know, but why else are they easier to pop underwater? Oh, I was just thinking if it's something about how their skin interacts with like salt water. Yeah, you know that like weakens it. That was my thought. Yeah, yeah. Because it seemed like it was a skin thing. Yeah, or maybe they like swell up. With yeah, or their skin tightens and is more like brittle and less elastic mm -hmm. anyway anyway so they burst some taxons so open. they should just always fight taxons underwater is what it sounds like right um okay and then also axe can conveniently keep track of time oh yeah he's like i'm just gonna keep they're like we have a watch it's fine we don't really the time makes so it can go underwater but it's actually harder because he's like you use 30 percent of your time and they're like uh, <laughs> uh anyway so Axe tells them that, that uh, so Visser 3 is there. Yes. Axe tells them that the morph that he's using is called a Mardrut, mm -hmm. which is horrible. It makes a thwump, thwump, thwump sound, and uh, it's chasing them, and it's yeah. very fast. The thwump is from sucking in water and then propelling it out of its, like, sacks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was weird. Um, so it's chasing them, it's very fast. Everybody's pretty scared and thinking they're gonna die cassie starts thinking about how much she hates 
Mr. 3, but then she's like, no, I don't want to die with my last thoughts being how much I hate Mr. 3. So I'm going to think about, like, happy things in my life, like my family and Jake <laughs> and the barn and whatever. Cassie. And then, And then she thinks about the whale and she, like, calls for help from the whale. Um, and then kind of right after, everybody kind of decides that they would rather die fighting Visitor 3 than die running away from Visitor 3, um, in true Andalite fashion. So just as they're about to just, like, take their last stand. Cassie says, Jake, I wanted to tell you. And then Jake says, yes, me too, Cassie. Was like that what in you're gonna keeping say? with well that I forgot about that actually. But okay. it's, it's in keeping with the like awkward moment of death one liners from various Andalite couples. Yeah. I mean anamorph couples. Well yeah, like just just say I love you, you know, like like do you gotta do like I wanted to tell you? Like twelve year olds say that, you know. I didn't tell anyone I loved them when I was twelve. Oh yeah. Did uh-huh. you? Well I would say I like you or something like that. Yeah. I don't know if I was going to die when I was 12. I don't know. If I was 13. I yeah, know. if I was about to die, I don't know what I would do. I'd probably just be screaming, honestly. Well, hopefully you would say what you actually wanted to tell the person rather than just trailing off. Well, maybe she knew that he knew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've had it with these two. <laughs> Bring so back they, Rachel and Tobias. Then they turn to fight. Okay, and then, then we basically get uh the whale rescue yeah so the um, whale comes and beats up visitor three multiple Mo- and many whales yeah they don't i guess it sounds like whales don't really kill things but they you know make him turn on his tail and go running right yeah they they knock him around a bit and they um and then we have some more mystical stuff yep <laughs> and they and and Cassie just like has this bond with the whale now. So she's like, I think it's gonna let us demorph on its back, and then it'll carry us ashore. And so then Cassie feels like it was actually the sea itself that called to the whale. You know. Yeah. So that one, I don't think is true. I think that's just Cassie being like. Oh, no, that's just, just Cassie being weird. Whatever. I, I think Not it's weird, totally. I think it's totally like possible in, okay in this way. universe that whales like have this like cool way of communicating and whatever, but. I don't think the sea is like a character. That's not. Yeah. <laughs> that's not happening in my. That'd be pretty good. Not in my interpretation of the animorphs. Yeah, I mean. I do think. I it's don't in think line... my interpretation of the animorphs includes like magical whales. I do think it's in line with my like understanding of the universe for Cassie to like add layers of meaning that are not there to her understanding of yeah. the ocean. Oh, actually, I like that interpretation. Like. Yeah. Maybe. Like, it could be, like, she's getting information from the whale, mm-hmm. but it's just by literal translation of whale song, you know? Not, like, Maybe. magical Although, pictures people, being the, beamed to her head. The other people didn't get it, though. I was thinking it's, like, whales can kind of thought-speak a little bit. I, I don't know if I'm okay with whales thought-speaking. Well, it's not the same as, thought as like, Andalite thought-speak, obviously, because it's not... I know, it's but... It's not. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm okay with telepathic whales, you know? Well, then how come the other people didn't hear the song? They're just not as good as understanding whale speak. What about hearing whale songs, though? I mean, they hear whale songs. They just don't understand it. Okay, so you're saying it was a whale song the whole time. But then Cassie... Cassie understands it. The other people don't understand it and don't say anything about it. Yeah. And then Cassie 
is like, and then Cassie interprets, and then Cassie just makes up the fact that their picture is being beamed to her brain. I don't know. Or she just like hallucinates that. Not hallucinates, but you yeah, know what I, mean. I I think that's a little bit. Uh, I mean, otherwise like you have telepathic for, whales. Well, I think, you know, I think that the that. most, like the simplest explanation, the yeah. one that has the the smallest amount of like improbabilities. I think if you have one improbability, which is like that whales have this different way of communicating that we're not aware of. That, like, makes more sense to me. But, you know, whatever. I guess we can have different interpretations. <laughs> okay, so after some um, after some whale, whale stuff, I guess, then they get carried back to shore by the humpback. And then... They see Tobias. Yeah. And then... Um, oh, also... Oh, yeah, Cassie comes to terms with the whole, like, morphing dolphins in order to save them thing. Yeah. And then is the beginning of everything I like about X. The fact that he's um, a mixture of all four of them. Well, yeah, so he acquires all of them and then morphs human, which is like a mix of all of, all of the human animorphs. And then I wrote down, hilarity ensues. <laughs> I thought we could read this description of Axe, perhaps. Oh, sure. He's also like, why do you always wear that fabric over your skin? Lots of fun stuff. He was from he was of medium height. <clears throat> he was of medium height, a perfect balance between Rachel and Marco. He was of medium build, somewhere between Jake and Marco. <laughs> His hair was brown, with just a little of Rachel's gold and a little of my curl. His skin was the color of light brown sugar, a blending of my brown and Marco's olive, and Jake and Rachel's pale white. He was human, and yet somehow strange anyway so axe acquires an ethnically ambiguous morph and somewhat um i guess gender presentingly ambiguous well he said he chose male he chose to be male yeah which i thought was cool because i was like yeah you can choose what gender you want to express Axe. Yeah. that makes sense well he could have chosen some other thing also when he was choosing how did he know to I don't know. <laughs> Is that really uh, a path you want to go down? <laughs> I I don't know if I want to talk about that. <laughs> this is, isn't this like a common question, like what what Andalite gender differentiation is like? We've talked about it before. I forget what it was, but anyway. Yeah. Well, well, it will come up, and we will talk about it. Um, but what does Axe know about human gender differentiation? You know. Well, okay. So, so for one thing. He knows what his gender is. Yeah. The word for that in his language might not be male, but you know my theory about thought speak and translation. Right. right? So so he's able to communicate to them that his gender is male. And right. then so but I'm then... thinking when he morphs, he might be able to to you know, like you concentrate on being the thing. Mm-hmm. If he concentrates on being a human version of himself then it might just come out as the human version of male yeah yeah i guess yeah that makes sense okay and then last chapter cassie flies to the gardens and then morphs dolphin and plays with the dolphins how sweet 
<laughs> yeah, it starts out as her like being self righteous and being like, I want to show them what I did to make sure that it's okay with them, and then yeah, they just like okay, don't Cassie. care. Yeah, <laughs> they're just dolphins. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, All right, yeah. Whew. that's that's the book. That's the book. Yeah. Uh, did you have other like? Do you want to like do thoughts? Thoughts about the book overall? Yeah. Before we go to the spoilers section. Well, we have to do our our exercise. Our close reading exercise. Oh yeah, I forgot about the close reading exercise. Um. Anyway, so, um, did I have thoughts about this book? I liked it. Um, I I often dislike Cassie books. I did not dislike this book, in spite of the, you know, whale magic that was going on. I thought that it was like, you know, not not too out of line. Um, and at least it was like well written. In my opinion. So, I didn't have anything that I wanted to talk about right now, I guess. Oh, I guess we could talk about there is that scene where they're debating the morality of morphing a dolphin. Mm -hmm. And specifically, Cassie is like, how is it different from doing what the Yerks do? And then Rachel is like, well, we're creating a copy of the animal, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But then Cassie's like, then you're enslaving that copy. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering what your opinion on this, like, morality debate is. Like, it, it, to my, like, at first glance, morphing any animal doesn't seem morally wrong. Or at, at least doesn't seem morally akin to what the Yerks do, right? It's only, to me, at first glance, as wrong as, like, impersonating someone. Does that make sense? As wrong as, like, committing fraud. Not, like, as wrong as enslaving something. But then Cassie brings up the point that, like, maybe you're not inhabiting a new body. Maybe you're creating a new animal, then enslaving that animal. Yeah, I think... Which would imply that there's, like, an animal consciousness trapped down somewhere, right? Yeah, so I think it sounds like where the line is that defines, like a being because so if like a yerk went into my brain and was controlling me which obviously it's not go sharing um then that's like pretty clearly wrong because we think of me as like being my own person right mm-hmm. and if a yerk were to inhabit a dolphin that's like probably wrong because if we're subscribing to like Cassie's way of seeing dolphins, they're like intelligent and they're their own being. So for a Yerk to inhabit them, that's like wrong. Um, then Rachel's point is like, I, I think it sounds like Rachel's point is that if you morph a dolphin, it's not the, the dolphin that you're morphing is not its own being. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Co- but then Cassie's point is that it's, it is its own being. Yes. I think so, that's what their argument. Like, so, yeah. To. So the question is just, is it its own being? My thought is that I guess you're using DNA to like grow a body and also a brain. That's the thing that makes it hard is I feel like the brain is like yeah. the fact that that complicates it. Because, like, twins have the same DNA as each other. But if you're someone's twin, it's not like you're morphing them. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So actually, I'm not sure if they have, they don't always have the same DNA as each other, but whatever. And then, but I think in my mind, so if we're viewing that scene before where like Cassie's brain had the memory of what the whale said, but then the dolphin brain was like translating it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would seem to imply that there is dolphin under there that is doing whatever Cassie desires. Oh, I was going to say it implies that there isn't a dolphin under there Mm -hmm. because it's not like it can resist her or join her or talk to her. Yeah. She's just using the dolphin brain that she has now. Yeah. I mean, what I think is that there is no, like, when you morph, you're not creating a being of its own, right? I subscribe to the... Right, because then what happens when you morph back? You're killing it. Never morph back. You're killing another, like, according to this theory, you know? Well, when you morph, are you killing yourself? Uh, no. I think... (laughs) Well, I think in the Animorphs, there is, like, a pretty prominent, like, mind-body duality, right? Okay. Because it seems like consciousness is very separate from, like, the body. So I, I think that... In the Animorphs, when you morph something, you're just creating a copy of the body and inhabiting it with your consciousness. And your evidence for the fact that there's no consciousness in the thing that you're morphing is that it doesn't have, like, memories? Because it does have a, a brain. That yeah, it doesn't, it, doesn't have, it doesn't have memories, and there's no, like, as there is in controllers, there's no, uh, like, competitive stream of consciousness, right? You're not interacting with... Like, yeah. there are the instincts. Yeah, I was thinking that too, but then the instincts kind of came up. You're not... I, I think that's... The instincts must be, like, a physical manifesta- manifestation, uh, but there is no consciousness present. Mm-hmm. Right. So we can we can talk about more about this in the spoiler zone, but I think... Like, like that's my take on it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And the other thing is it's kind of... Like, because they have this whole, like, oh, well, even if morphing more intelligent animals is questionable, we're doing it so that we can ultimately save them. So we're just going to, like, assume it's okay. Yeah. That's like, just adding another complex moral question on this one. That's you know? like, well, I feel like it gives them a blanket pass. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? They're well, like, well, we're just going to save everyone so we can morph anything. Well, I mean, if the ends justify the means, you know? Well, that's what they're, that's what Cassie's saying. Yeah. Which is not a very Cassie argument. You know, well, right? Well, I think she revisits it. Yeah. But anyway, so that's that's my problems with her. Besides <laughs> okay. the whale magic, is her her like morality that crops up at annoying times, and I guess her indecisiveness. But you know, I love I'll Cassie. Take what I get. I love um, Cassie a lot. I identify with Cassie. <laughs> Go get team Cassie. She's the best. All right. Okay. Do you have any thoughts about the book overall? Oh, I just, well, I just, as I just said, I like Cassie a lot. Um, I think that she is, like, a very cool character in the group because she has kind of her own, she's, she's like, in terms of personality, she's, like, pretty different from the other people. Yeah, I agree. Which I think is cool to, like, have a Cassie narrative. That's about it. Okay. Shall we do our reading exercise? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to, oh, can you, I think if you say... To your phone, uh, roll a 151-sided dice or die. You'll generate a random number between 1 and 151. Okay, I don't know how to say that in Spanish, but I can say, like, choose a number between 1 and 151. Yeah, I hope that's random, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay.
98. All right. That's 98, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's take a look. Oh, okay. This page. So as a reminder to our readers, we're going to do a close reading exercise where we pick a page in the book at random, then do a close reading of a non-random sentence or two sentences on that page. And we'll talk about it first in the context of just the books so far. Then we'll go to the spoiler zone and we'll talk about it in the context of the whole series. Um. Oh, interesting. All right. Rachel. Should I read it? Yeah. Let's do this one. Rachel looked skeptical. Jake, when Marco is in dolphin morph, he'll weigh like 400 pounds. Okay. All right. That's it. That's not a lot to go on. Well, I think... So she's talking to Jake. Because mm-hmm. Jake is the leader. Yes. Also because he's her cousin. Yes. And she's skeptical, which is interesting, because usually she's all, let's do it. I know. Yeah, that's true. And usually Marco's the skeptical one. Yeah. Yeah, I guess... Oh, because this, this is about Marco. Mm-hmm. So maybe she's now forced to be the skeptical one, you know? Well, yeah, but Marco's all like, I'm, I'm down. Let's do it. No, yeah, be- yeah because yeah. he's busy playing that role, uh-huh. which is Rachel's because playing of Marco's Cassie, role. Yeah, Mar- Rachel has to play Marco's role. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. Yeah. Well, Rachel looks skeptical. Okay, Jake. When Marco is in dolphin morph, he'll weigh like 400 pounds. Do dolphins weigh like 400 pounds? I'll look it up. All right. If so, this is just another example of Rachel being smart. Yeah. Which is interesting, because usually Cassie's the one who knows about animal weights. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that is interesting. Or maybe she just knows about pounds. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, she ha- maybe she just has a good sense of like what a pound is and has seen a dolphin before. Um, the common bottlenose dolphin, between 330 and 1,400 pounds. <laughs> That's a pretty big range. Is that just is that adults? Or is yeah, that I'm guessing I'm guessing juvenile? females and males. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. So 400 pounds is is in there. This is the the common bottlenose dolphin. I'm just assuming that's. Yeah, I mean they talk about them having bottle noses, so I assume these are common bottlenose dolphins. Males are generally larger and heavier than females. So I guess 400 pounds would be a female dolphin. No. In most parts of the world, the adult's weight ranges between 440 and 1,100 pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so do you think this is Rachel being smart? I think it's kind of Rachel being smart. I mean, well, for one thing, it's her having, like, foresight, which is her being smart, you know? Like, just well, being able to think ahead. No, but I'm also, talking about the estimate of 400 pounds. But also, I think yes. that the 400 pounds estimate, it's like... Probably her being smart. I think it's like a combination of like a good guess and maybe she like was looking up dolphins last night. Yeah. In yeah. her free time. Then she would have said when Marco is in Dolphin Wharf, he'll weigh between 440 and 1,000 pounds in most places. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe she just like got a good sense of how much she weighed the other As day. As a dolphin. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. That's a little interesting. I don't know. I really don't know. I think we've kind of talked this passage to death. (laughs) All right. Well, that's all we can say for the non-spoiler zone. We'll see you on the other side. 
All right. Yeah. So uh, that concludes the spoiler free section of our show. Sounds good. Thank you for listening. And uh, join us next time as we read Animorphs number five. The Predator. The Predator. Do we like The Predator? Is this a must read book? Oh, The Predator is a is a really must read book. It's a mu- it's really must read book. So we got to yeah, do that. But it's uh, definitely must read. But in the meantime, if you have not read the rest of the series, don't spoil it for yourself. I mean, or do whatever, but probably no, don't. No, don't. Don't. I mean, <laughs> you can live your own out. life. <laughs> uh, but we would recommend not. So uh, we'll see you later. Enjoy the next podcast-free 20 minutes of your time. And if you'd like to contact us. Oh, yeah. And uh, you can contact us at uh, sulpniarpool at gmail.com. That's S-U-L-P-N-I-A-R pool at gmail.com. You can visit our website, sulpniarpool.com. You can tweet at us, Facebook, Tumblr, Reddit. uh, All those links are on the website as well. We have a Spotify playlist with all the songs that we've mentioned on the show so far, which you can find on our website for some 90s nostalgia. So uh, that's about it. Until next time, dance with as many dolphins as you like. I like that.